Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hi, it's Ethan Skolnick for the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. No music, no sponsors for this particular mini episode. After the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, as well as seven others in a helicopter crash in California today, Sunday, at roughly 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Full disclosure, Alphonse Sidney and I had recorded a full sort of lighthearted podcast about the Miami Heat prior to actually going out to lunch today where we got the news when we were together and we made the decision that it didn't make sense to put out anything on Kobe Bryant on the same podcast as we were lightheartedly talking about the Miami Heat. So that podcast will be put out in the next few hours on all of our usual channels where you will find this one, uh, but we're not going to do it right now. I had a few thoughts on Kobe Bryant and again, full disclosure, um, I didn't know Kobe well, interviewed him a handful of times, mostly group settings I knew a lot of reporters who were close with him. Uh, when I went to Bleacher Report in 2013, I was kind of hired as the LeBron writer and Kevin Ding was hired as the Kobe writer. So we would have these debates in the Bleacher Report studios in New York about who had the greater legacy and had the bigger impact. Um, and that at the time obviously was a lot of fun, um, but I would typically take LeBron's side. Um, so this for me is, is not uh, about sort of presenting my personal views on Kobe Bryant as a player. Um, Kobe Bryant, the father, I admired. And, and so I began to, began to admire him more as a person as time went forward. I have a five-and-a-half-year-old daughter myself, and I saw the way that he was with his daughters, and honestly, it reminded me a lot of the way that I feel about mine. And so, again, I came to admire him, and I think others who maybe didn't really love everything he did as a basketball player uh, admired him that way too. And I think that came across on social media. But what I want to do in this particular commentary is give you a little bit of insight about the two biggest athletes that I ever covered down here in South Florida, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, felt about Kobe Bryant. Because I, I think that is much more impactful than what I think about Kobe Bryant. And I'll start with Dwayne, who obviously felt this very deeply today. You saw the Twitter post, I'm sure, um, when the news started to come out, uh, again, some of that news was put out irresponsibly by a bunch of outlets in terms of who was on the plane, how many people, all of that sort of stuff. But it became pretty clear that something pretty tragic had happened here, uh, particularly when the L.A. Sheriff's Office confirmed it um, after the initial TMZ report. And Dwayne was very emotional, later put out an Instagram post, which I recommend you check out, which we also put on our website at fivereasonsports.com. So it got me thinking about Dwayne's relationship with Kobe and really what that was. And to me, it was always a little brother, big brother situation. Kobe was to Dwayne the bar. And I had a conversation with Dwayne for a piece I did in 2016 for cbssports.com in which I talked to Dwayne about what Kobe meant to him. And I want to read you just a little bit of this um, in terms of, you know, what, uh, what that relationship was and how, uh, how Dwayne viewed Kobe. You've talked about Kobe being the bar for you. In what ways do you feel like you've reached it, Dwayne? I don't know. I mean, how I look at it is this. 
when I came into the league, obviously Jordan was my idol and he was gone. But Kobe was that bar for me to say, okay, he's the ultimate two guard in this league and I need to get there. And I felt at some point in my career, I reached that where I was battling him. Any given night, I could be the best two guard in the league or he could be the best two guard in the league, but we were going at it. And from the standpoint of his success and what he did before I came in and winning all the championships, et cetera, he had me on that. But season to season, I felt like I was looking at him eye to eye some nights and some years. So I don't know at the end of the day how it shakes out from that standpoint. Obviously to me, and I haven't seen all the players play live, but biased, I think he's the second best two guard to ever play. And I think I've been in conversations to be from three to five. And to me, I've reached my bar from that standpoint of trying to get where he is as one of the all-time greats at that position. I will tell you that over the years, I tried to get Dwayne to put himself higher than Kobe. He wouldn't do it. Um, I even put some stats on Twitter, which indicated that Dwayne was more efficient than Kobe um, in a lot of different ways. I, I actually think Dwayne's prime might have been better than Kobe's. It just didn't last as long. But Dwayne wouldn't have it. He always put himself behind Kobe. And even if you look back at 2005, I was at the Christmas Day game in Los Angeles um, after Shaq had basically left Kobe. I mean, it was a trade, but he wanted out of Los Angeles. He left Kobe for Dwayne. The, the reason he wanted to be here was Dwayne. He was the replacement for Kobe. And Dwayne went back, and I remember had a great game, uh, kind of a breakout game. I mean, Dwayne had, had a great rookie year, but this was national TV. This was showing he was worthy of being Shaq's sidekick. Uh, against Kobe. And I just remember Dwayne after that game, it, it seemed to a certain degree that he felt he'd arrived. If you look at Dwayne and Kobe's numbers against each other through the years, they were pretty even um, in terms of a lot of categories. Uh, and the wins actually trended towards Dwayne. Um, but again, Dwayne never put himself above Kobe. That was the level of respect. Now they had some battles. Um, I can tell you they shared a trainer, Tim Grover. And I remember one off season, there was some conflict about how much Dwayne was going to get to use him and how much Kobe was going to get to use him. And Kobe sort of got first dibs from what I recall. And as you know, that was Michael Jordan's trainer too. Um, so there was a, some tension at times, but I think the tension became enormous respect. And Kobe, I remember was asked in 2013 and I, it might've been even earlier than that. I tweeted this out tonight because I found the tweet. He was asked uh, about LeBron overshadowing Dwayne on the big three. And he, he said, I, not for me. I mean, for me, he's always a problem. Um, that was, a, that was a compliment. And so I, I this is really going to hurt Dwayne a lot. Um, I know Dwayne had an event here this week. He was planning on, on Saturday uh, for Super Bowl week. I'm not sure if they go forward with that. Uh, but again, the enormous respect uh, between the two of them, the way that Dwayne conducted himself with his teammates was very different, but a lot about the work ethic, the battling through injuries, uh, the using slights, um, I, I think Dwayne picked up a lot of that stuff from Kobe in the same way that Kobe picked it up from Michael. Now I want to share a LeBron anecdote. Um, LeBron is not thought of by Heat fans quite the same way as Dwayne is, perhaps, because he wasn't here quite as long. But obviously, for those four years, he belonged to Miami. And I would, you know, one of the great, I think, uh, shames in NBA history is that is that Kobe and LeBron never played each other in a finals. Um, they were never really, teams were never really good at. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The same time, but the one year that they were, of course, Dwight Howard and the Magic uh, beat LeBron's team. LeBron played great, but it wasn't enough. And so that was the year of the puppets and LeBron and Kobe were going to play in the finals. It didn't happen. Orlando went and played the Lakers instead. And then by the time that LeBron got to Miami, uh, the Lakers weren't very good. And so just different times for the two of them. But essentially, uh, LeBron, I always looked at it differently with the way LeBron viewed Kobe. It wasn't so much as a big brother. It was more of a direct rival. Um, I think if you talk to people around LeBron, they felt that he was the better player than Kobe, but that he was never going to maybe garner the love that Kobe did from his particular fans. And this came up when I went up to Cleveland for a year to cover the Cavaliers for Bleacher Report after LeBron left uh, Miami. And LeBron and I sometimes would share pictures of our daughters with each other, but also kind of funny little stuff uh, that we would see. I had somewhat of a you know, pretty good relationship with him. Um, and, and sometimes um, from a national basis about other players, you know, he, would, he would make comments or, or bounce things off me. And so one day, uh, we had been talking about, at one point, about Kobe. I think I'd shown him something about, maybe I was sucking up a little bit, but I think I had shown him something about how Kobe, um, there was an article about how Kobe didn't draw quite the same number of fans on the road that LeBron did. About two weeks later, LeBron says, that, I mean, he called me over after a game. The Cavs had won easily, so he was in a good mood. He called me over, and he wanted to show me something. And he, I thought he was going to show me a picture of, of his daughter on his phone. Um, again, because that's kind of what we've been doing at this stage. We both had daughters, like I said, born around the same age. Uh, and they were very young at the time. But it wasn't that. It was a meme that he'd found, or somebody had sent him, of him and Kobe. And it basically showed, in graphic terms, how many more fans came to games when LeBron was playing in the city than Kobe? And he was enormously proud of this. And I know some people who aren't fans of LeBron would say that's petty and all the rest of this. But what it showed to me, again, was this was who he was measuring himself against, but not in the same way Dwayne was, where I think Dwayne was always measuring up. I felt like LeBron was kind of measuring equally, but trying to make the case that he had a greater impact. And then I think we saw when LeBron went to L.A. that that really wasn't true because when he went to Los Angeles, one of my concerns for him going to Los Angeles was that the Kobe stands, as we call them, are so fanatical about Kobe Bryant as a personality. More so, I think, than they were about Magic, about Kareem, about Jerry West, about Elgin Baylor, about any of the great players, James Worthy, who played for the Lakers all that time. Kobe is different. Kobe is this generation's player uh, in terms of Lakerdom, right? And so nationally as well. And then we saw that the LeBron mural get the face, right? Supposedly by Kobe fans when he went out there. And I, LeBron had a hard time, I think, sort of breaking through in his first season in L.A. That started to happen this year. But I think a lot of it started to happen because he had Kobe's endorsement. I think he won Kobe over. And so whatever rivalry there was, the enormous mutual respect, um, I think eventually won out. And you saw LeBron, when he got off the plane today, uh, break down. I think what people forget is that these incredible athletes, the elite of the elite of the elite, 
they really can only respect each other. They can respect others in the game, but there's only a few who really understand what it's like to be on that platform to win an NBA Finals MVP like Dwayne did at his age, to win with Shaq as Kobe did and then win himself, to be the greatest player in the world, arguably, or one of the two all time in LeBron James. They can only really understand each other and respect each other. So whatever you think of Kobe Bryant, whatever I think of Kobe Bryant, I know what Dwayne Wade and LeBron James thought of Kobe Bryant. And they thought he was an icon. They thought he was one of a kind. They thought he was someone who drove the game forward. Um, and so from a basketball perspective, which is not really what I'm focused on today, but from a basketball perspective, I think that's what was lost. Um, a unique person in basketball history. You know, we can talk about, you know, the Mamba stuff and everything and, and whether some of it was overdone. You know, I remember the game that, you know, Kobe shot really poorly in Miami and then went out and shot extra shots for 40 minutes on the court. Could have done it up at the practice court. He'd have let others do that. Go up to the practice court, which is nobody would have seen him. Did it there for the cameras. Wanted everybody to see, right? And we kind of laugh about it at the time. But that was part of the mystique. And if you see the way that young players reacted to him, they bought it. You know, they bought the work ethic. Because the work ethic was real. Some of the theatrics were there with it. But the work ethic was real. And, um, you know, I'll remember his last game. My last thing I'll share here. His last game in Miami, I believe he only played nine minutes. Um, but my memory from that was Dwayne's son, Zaire, who, as we know, is now playing with LeBron's son in California, um, during a halftime, I believe, was out there basically defending Kobe Bryant, then defending his father, and then defending LeBron. And uh, basically, Dwayne said the one he was most excited to go out there you know, pal around with was Kobe. He said he got his shoes on. He made sure that he was right for Kobe for Kobe's last game. Final thing after the final thing. Um, I tweeted this one out. Chris Bosch uh, had, had this great quote about Dwayne um, about how he, he said, cause Dwayne always said he didn't want the Kobe going away, not the contract. Dwayne wanted the contract, but he didn't want the, the whole show that Kobe had, right? Um, but Bosch always thought that Dwayne was lying, that he really did want it. Um, and I found the quote today uh, from Bosch um, that, and uh, let, me, let me locate it here real quick. But basically, uh, Bosch came out and said that, you know, he didn't believe him, um, that ultimately he wanted it. And of course, we saw, I'm going to find this here, he said, uh, Bosch has told Wade he'll get the Kobe send-off when he retires. Wade, Wade doesn't think so. Bosch, quote, he's humble or he's faking it. it. Turns out Dwayne was faking it, but we're all happy he did, right? Because without the Kobe send-off the way it went, I don't think we have the Dwayne send-off the way it went last season. So those are my thoughts on Kobe Bryant. I know others, again, will have better ones. Uh, but from a heat perspective, that's what I wanted to share. Uh, heat episode will be out overnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition 
when we know all of this. Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.